Welcome to the International Perspective Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Muñoz. This is an Encore's production where we discuss the success stories, mindsets, and challenges of international students in order to better prepare you in your own journey. On this episode, we are joined by Vlad Kasako, a Romanian entrepreneur, author, and consultant, graduated from the University of Rochester, and currently in a Master's of Professional Accounting at the University of Texas at Austin. Join us as we discuss the mindset that has allowed Vlad to both achieve his level of success and the resilience to overcome the challenges of the path that he has carved for himself. All right, welcome Vlad. Thank you for joining hey, thanks. us. Thanks for having me, Daniel. Excited to be here. Absolutely, thank you very much. And uh, for our audience that is um, that might just be listening to us for the first time, and knowing you for the first time, uh, could you maybe give a little introduction about yourself? Sure thing. So uh, my name is Vlad, uh, Vlad Kazaku, born and raised in Bucharest, Romania in Eastern Europe. Uh, moved to the States, what, about like four and a half years ago to, to un- go to undergrad at U of R. Uh, and now pursuing my master's at uh, UT uh, Austin at Macomb School of Business. And uh, in the meantime, was able to, to start uh, two startups, uh, write a book on entrepreneurship, uh, and just uh, do, I would say, a lot of uh, cool small stuff around the way. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, I'm sure as people listen to this podcast, you're, you guys are gonna know a lot of the really cool stuff that Vlad has done. So I'm really excited <laughs> having you on this podcast. Um, cool stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, let's, let us dive a little bit uh, into this aspect of, you know, as as international students. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oftentimes we we have something that compels us to want to actually come to the U.S. Right, and you know, for me it was this aspect of wanting to help my family, and also you know, I was very interested in computer science. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for you, like, what was what was that thing that really told you, hey, you know what, I'm going to want to go to the U.S. instead mm-hmm. of staying in Romania and going through that path? Gotcha. Yeah. So I would say there's like. A two answer to this uh, this question. Uh, the one is like why abroad, and then the second one is why U.S. specifically. I'm going to answer the first one, the why abroad first. Um, I would say that I was like sort of primed since very early age to to go and study abroad. Uh, sort of my parents were set since I was really young. Yes, you have to leave, you have to go and get a good education somewhere abroad. Uh, I would say the current political system and economic system of Romania is not fantastic and has never been. <laughs> really in history. So um, this, this uh, preconception that if you're smart, you, you should try to, to leave the country and, and get a good education abroad. Uh, and I was pretty much set on, on going to the UK, actually, because a lot of Romanians yeah. just go to United Kingdom. Uh, there's a lot of good universities there. It's a pretty straightforward application process. So I did apply, got into several of them. Um, and then one friend of mine was saying, well, I'm going to go study in the US. And I'm like, well, that, that sounds pretty cool. Let, let's, you know, <laughs> tell me more. And then she just guided me through the process about the SATs and the application process. Mm-hmm. And uh, one year later, I got my acceptance letter at the uh, U of R with a, with a good scholarship, which is primarily why I came to U of R because I, I could afford it because of the scholarship. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rest is history. That, that's, that's pretty much it. You, the, the U.S. came as a last minute thought, but mm-hmm. the going abroad was planned beforehand. Right. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. And, you know, like w- what were some of those things that as you were heading into the U S you were thinking? 
I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm unsure if I was thinking about anything because I never stepped foot in the U.S. before coming mm. for the first time, right? Like my first day of basic orientation was my first day in the U.S. or maybe like the second or third, right? So right. I was just arriving there. Everything I thought about the U.S. was from the movies. Uh, and let me tell you, the movies don't paint the, the real America. Uh, oh. I mean, think of like all the funny comedy movies of college age students and frat parties and, and people jumping from roofs <laughs> uh, and throwing those like massive like events and then, you know, come to us and like seeing that's not reality. So I would say I was a little bit excited about, about the movie aspect of it, mm-hmm. uh, but it was pretty much open because I just didn't know anything about it stepped into the void (laughs) yeah and how were you like navigating that aspect of okay i'm stepping into the void i'm you know coming in with this perception of maybe maybe things are gonna be like the movie maybe not and then from there saying okay this is what's happening here i'm going to now move in this direction Mm -hmm. um i would say i I treated it as like sort of a duty right Mm. like it was my duty to come to study abroad. And at that point was the US, get a good education, get good degrees, make good progress, do good stuff and sort of add to the to our family, right? Like mm-hmm. make it better in my life than my parents were able to make it and they made it better than my grandparents and so on and so forth. Just keep progressing. Um, and, and with that being said, like it was sort of a no brainer when I came on campus was sort of, okay, what can I do? What can I involve? Let's see what's happening. Let's see what's up. Let's see how the people, uh, and then just go and do things. Uh, so I just came very open-minded because I knew that I had to be open-minded to be able to make progress. Right. Yeah. And how, how, how do you think uh, those, those things, how did you identify those things and say, oh, I can go ahead and do all of those things and that is probably going to help me go and progress? That's a good question because I, I don't think I, I had necessarily a plan at that point. I had mm-hmm. an idea of a plan uh, and I just went straight ahead into doing everything. Um, <laughs> and I would say as, as a piece of advice for anyone who doesn't yet have a plan, give yourself more options and then figure yourself out there than closing options for you and then figure out a year later, well, I wish I would have done that. Mm. So sort of first the week on campus, I already had a job. I was working at Starbucks. <laughs> Um, I was running for class council. I was running for uh, the freshman quad, uh, council. Um, I was in the DJ club. I was uh, in the chess club. I was in um, archery club. You know, just <laughs> sort of jump straight ahead into just seeing like what's happening, what's up, let's do it. And, and out of those, actually, I mean, I dropped the archery club. I dropped the chess club. And I've been at the DJ club only for one year. And then I dropped that too. So sort of opening up myself up to, a lot of possibilities and then just sort of narrowing it down uh, as, uh, as time progresses. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. And, and do you think there, there was anything, you know, from before college that helped you navigate that a little bit more? Uh, I, I would say so. Yeah, I would say so. I would say that uh, in high school and I would say starting from middle school, I started being very um, project management oriented. If that makes sense, so I just started doing a lot of events, a lot of projects. I took a lead into building stuff, but not 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 to the extent of a startup. But rather than, mm. let me give an example. Like one one year, 
with the charitable event. And we're organizing this like very large event in a, in a nightclub uh, with nation, national known uh, like artists, like singers and rappers. About like 4,000 people showed up. We sold tickets. We made quite a decent amount of money. We got sponsors. We had the vice mayor of Bucharest come and speak. Like it was just like a, a large event that we wanted to put together to help. Uh, and for that particular case, for that event, um, was uh, a hospital. It was a hospital, more like a clinic for uh, children with a Down syndrome. Uh, and right. we just wanted to help them. This was for what we had in mind to make it happen. And we did have. And, and with that project management experience, being able from a very young age to be on calls with people like 10, 15, 20 years older and telling them, well, I have a contract for you to sign. I need you to do this for me. Uh, let's make this happen. Sort of prepared me when I came to college to not be afraid of engaging with other peers, putting myself out there, talking with professors and talking with administration as if it like, were an equal. I mean, I'm not saying being disrespectful but not being blocked by, oh my God, those people have a PhD. I mean, so what? You know, they, they're still humans at the end of the day. Yeah, and true. I feel that sort of prepped me coming to college to just be open to anything and not be reserved or, or shy as some people, I would say especially international students might be when they come to campus the first time. Oh yeah, for sure. And, you know, having, having that, that mindset of let's just be open to experience. Let's just go be open to taking on all of those different things that might be interesting. I think that just gives you the ability to then be able, as you say, you know, pick and choose. These are the things that I want to do. And these are maybe not so much. Right. So. Yeah. And and I would say, uh, sorry sorry to interrupt. I would say Mm -hmm. that uh, you you were very right about the being open to to opportunities allows you to sort of go back and and see what you would want to or not to do. But I would say, even if you have only a plan of saying, I'm going to do this, but you're not open to that particular opportunity, you, you won't be able to achieve it either. So being open to an opportunity is sort of the default for any type of plan you might have, even if you have one or you don't have one. It's sort of the, the prerequisite to be able to engage in something that could lead to, to something else, no matter what your strategy. Yeah, that's, that's true. And, you know, I want to dive a little bit deeper into that aspect of being open to opportunity, right? So one mm-hmm. of the things that I think and that I've been realizing as, as I've been progressing my last three years in the U.S. has sure. been this aspect of, just be able and be open to, to talk with people, make connections, make friends, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is, what is your take on that aspect? Because I think there's, there's a lot of value in being able to connect with people and sort of like be open to any sort of opportunity that might happen out of them. Absolutely, absolutely. And I would say um, it's very underrated to have a conversation. Hmm. Like people don't take conversations as seriously as they should. I feel like we're, we're very used to converse with friends. We're very used to have a chat with uh, friends, uh, romantic partners, larger group of friends, one-on-one, um, sometimes professional, like with a professor, with a teacher, et cetera, et cetera. But we are not really used to have this, what I would call peer networking, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like when we have when we bring the word networking into conversation, it's always like, oh, with an older person who has achieved this, who did that, and they're gonna help me maybe with this. And I'm not sure exactly how I could help them, but let's hope there's something. <laughs> and I found uh, actually by going to NextGen, which I think I, I should mention this because it was such a fantastic part of my college experience going to NextGen mm-hmm. um, in New York City. It's a fantastic conference. Um, 
put on by two absolutely amazing people and just brought a community of fantastic people together, young entrepreneurs, young writers, young people who want to do things and put us in the same place, same room and network without the expectation of something, just having cool conversations. And that sort of opened my eyes to being open to hearing people's stories and see just what can we do with that? You know, just not saying, oh, that will be useless, you know, because it's so useful to just meet new people for the sake of meeting them without mm-hmm. trying to befriend them, without trying to be romantic with them. And I feel that's sort of a pressure in college, you know, like, are we friends? Are we um, trying to do something romantic? Or are we, you know, trying to be business partners? But something in, in between, you know, just let's just have a conversation and see where that goes. Um, and that, I would say, it's the number one step for opportunities because there are people who will hear you speak about something and say, hey, actually, hold on a second. I have a friend who does this. My manager told me about this. My professor told me about this. I think you'd be a great fit. And you know about things. You're never going to have to search for anything in your life. The moment you're able to develop a network with people above your age, of your age, and under your age, Mm -hmm. and tell them your story and listen to their stories and find ways to be helpful. And that's simple beginning. It's a conversation, which I think is underrated, but it's the foundation of this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that that is one thing that that I would say personally for international students. Sometimes we might be a little bit discouraged or a little bit afraid to even go ahead and like talk with people because you know, we're coming into this place. We might not even know the culture. We might not even know how to relate to people but is in allowing yourself to actually have those conversations that you're going to be able to really better understand what's out there and as you were saying have access to some opportunities and not necessarily have to search for things yeah and i would say it comes from a fear of uh, of not belonging which i feel a lot of international students have Mm -hmm. um and we're coming in a new culture we're saying like how, how do I even connect with those people? They don't share my, my culture. They don't share my food. They don't share my clothes. They don't share my language. They don't share anything that I, I share. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that's, that's a wrong thought to have because they do share something. Mm-hmm. Um, you might not know what it is, but 100% they will share something. Um, and just going over that initial fear and finding anything that could be worth connecting over. Um, and if there's nothing, that's fine. You didn't waste any any amount of meaningful time. You just spent 10, 15 minutes knowing that this lead will not take you anywhere. That's okay. Um, but but people are, I would say, in all of us were at one point too afraid to engage in conversation that might seem a little bit awkward and that we might seem un- unfit for. And that's that's so so unnecessary. You're fit for everything you want to be fit for, you know, especially having a conversation with a stranger. Like that. that's... <laughs> That, that's not rocket science, you know? Uh, uh, yeah, that's true. And, you know, again, you know, giving yourself that opportunity. I, I, I want to ask you a little bit more about this, this conference mm-hmm. that you said you went to, right? So how, how did that come around uh, for you to go to that conference and learn well, that's from a, That's a good question. It all was serendipitous. Mm-hmm. 100% serendipitous. I um, was uh, building... Give me, give me a second to get my ears straight. Uh, it was just about the beginning of part out. So that uh-huh. must have been sophomore year. 
must have been sophomore, yeah, sophomore year. year for you. Sophomore year, just beginning of Bar Trout. We sort of had something going on. There was like a website up. There was a conversation going. We had our first article in the campus newspaper. People were sort of knowing that this is happening with our first conversations with people from other universities mm-hmm. who are interested in the model. They might want to copy that and use the technology, et cetera, et cetera. So there was a little bit of conversation uh, around it in the quote unquote public domain, right? Um, right. And I stumbled across this, uh, this conference. Oh, that's pretty cool. Let me just like follow them on like LinkedIn and Facebook, right? Um, and then I received, uh, I, I, I enrolled to the, to the newsletter uh, and uh, started reading a little bit about what they're, they're doing, but without any sort of big, uh, how do you call it, goal in mind, right? Um, and I received the, mm-hmm. an invitation to apply because they saw my LinkedIn profile and said it was an entrepreneur and this conference from an entrepreneur, so, so come do this. Mm. So I, I sent them an application and, and got back to me like almost like overnight of life. It would be fantastic. Please join us. You know, that would be great to have you there. Um, and they were like so friendly. And I didn't have the money to go to the conference. And uh, I went to the AIM Center and I was able to, to apply for a sponsorship. So they were able mm. to pay for me to go there. It was a mind-blowing experience the first year. And okay. I was sure I'm going to go the second year, the day it ended. Um, met some of the most incredible people I met um, yeah. that are our age and are doing cool stuff from like self-made millionaires to uh, computer scientists who are just coding for fun, the most like mind-boggling things you could even think about to people who are running marketing agencies, to people who are doing graphic design for like Google and Microsoft on a contract basis from their own like bedroom because they have a small like firm, which is insane at like the age of 19, 20. Oh, totally. And, and that really pumped me up a lot. And uh, that's where actually I met uh, Eric Coaster, who's the professor from Georgetown, who ended up uh, sponsoring my book and allowing me to join the Creators Institute and mm. publish my book. Everything happened at that conference sophomore year, which is uh, just speaks volumes of how powerful that thing uh, was for me and mm. how serendipitous it was uh, for my development in the future. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think you just talked and touch upon a lot of different things there. So mm-hmm. maybe for the audience that doesn't necessarily know about Barterout, because you mentioned sure. it, what, what is Barterout and what, what is a little bit of that story behind it? Sure. So <laughs> I think that there's a, there's a two answers. Well, what is Barterout and what mm-hmm. uh, was Barterout supposed to be at the, <laughs> at the very first week of like, oh my God, we're going to conquer the world and going to make this thing. Sure. Uh, Bartrout started over a phone call with Pavel Stan, my good friend from Romania, who was mm-hmm. studying at Drexel, now graduated. Uh, he's back in Romania right now. And uh, both of us really pissed about a textbook price. I'm like, Pavel, we have to do something about it. Uh, and Pavel's like, Vlad, you like always have an answer to anything. So just make something happen. We're able to tap another friend of ours, um, Christina, who, who's at UPenn. These three of us were like, okay, let's, let's sit down and, and figure out what we could do, do a little bit of market research, uh, saw the textbook market, university educational spaces. And uh, at the end, we're like, okay, we can build something. And I take it back. We couldn't build anything. None of us were coders. Uh, we, <laughs> we, we, we thought of a thing that would make sense. Uh, and then we sought after the people who would be able to help us build it and together with the operational and business aspect that we developed with their 
uh, coding skills, which is interesting. You're one of them, right? <laughs> that that's how we yeah. met working at Bartrout uh, to to make something happen. So at the end of the day, we we ended up first stepping into an electronic marketplace um, that aligned with the courses that people are taking at universities. So you know you're getting the right textbook for the right course from older people. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you help that by recycling the textbooks from older students to younger students and increasing the life cycle of a, of a textbook while reducing the cost of acquisition for all everyone involved. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, it just made sense. I would say it worked, uh, but uh, there were multiple things during that time that uh, maybe we weren't, we didn't know, or we weren't able to dedicate some time to to learn some things. To, to make it grow to the next step. But I would say something that during that time didn't seem important, but now looking back was fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we did receive an offer to, to merge with another startup who was up and running and was making like 100K in yearly revenue, right, from um, Tufts right. University. And but at that point, it was like, oh, sure, like we have good technology. I mean, Daniel is a smart kid, you know? I mean, like, <laughs> we, we, we developed something cool. Uh, but uh, now looking back, I'm like, that, that's pretty massive. <laughs> like, not yeah. a lot of startups, like, do something that's so good that other people want to, want to get it, you know? So overall, it was a success, I would say. A, a success in it with a lot of small failures that yeah. build up the most, like, resilient people that I, that I met in college and a team of people that were just straight up fantastic. Um, yeah, perfect. And so with that in mind, so a lot of, a lot of people might be a little bit afraid of starting something, mm -hmm. right? Of saying, okay, I'm going to start this project. I don't necessarily have the technical expertise to make it happen. Mm -hmm. uh, so I might be able to find people. What do you say to the people that might be interested in starting something, but might be a little bit hesitant to actually start? Look yourself in the mirror, take the hesitation away, smash it, and uh -huh. just do something, you know? Uh, I mean, the, the whole process of entrepreneurship and building a startup is, is a constant failure and moving forward, being resilient about whatever happens, moving to the next step, because you have an idea that could work. Uh, and if you don't know how to build it, find the people who can build it, align yourself on the vision of what you're building, uh, get them excited about it. So that, that's sort of, I, I, I take it back. The, the, the biggest thing, if you're excited about it, find what truly, truly excites you, then mm. none of those questions will be worth answering because you won't even ask them. You know, you're, you're not going to be hesitant yeah. about something you're truly, deeply passionate about. Yeah, that, that's spot on. And that, that really speaks to me just in, in regards to, to this project as well, mm -hmm. right? So as the audiences might be able to, to gather, both of us, um, Vlad and I, and a bunch of other people work together on Barter Out. And I mean, for me, it was a really interesting experience because you know, I was coming into a project, I, re I remember still this uh, moment vividly with you, Vlad, which is we were walking from Starbucks to our residence mm -hmm. hall. And you, know, you asked me, oh, you're a computer science major. Um, so do you know JavaScript? And me as a first year who has n had no experience with web technology mm -hmm. said, oh, 
I know Java. I know JavaScript. <laughs> and, and that moment, like, you know, I, I say it, right? And, and I laugh a lot every time that I, that I think about it, especially when I tell my, my computer science friends. But, but from that moment on, you know, we, we were involved with this project and we kept on making it grow. And, you know, we, we went through a lot of different stages. And as you said, some failures, some hiccups, but a lot of success as well. Yeah. And yeah. And, and what I would say, what I would ask next, next is, what is like one of those uh, takeaways that, that you get from this experience with Barter Out? Now being uh, graduated and, and not uh, involved in that, in that way with the project? Well, that, that's a fantastic question. I don't know if I have like one answer to it. Um, mm -hmm. but, but if I were to think of one thing in particular would be to, to never underestimate the power of grit mm. and to never underestimate the amount of time it takes for that grit to truly be effective, right? Because uh, you, you can have a lot of grit and be very excited and be really driven to do something but not have the time to do it or you could have a lot of time on your hands, but not really be excited and not really be driven to do those things. But from a person who at that point was very gritful, I would say, right? Mm -hmm. And was, okay, we're gonna do this. We're gonna be the best. We're gonna find a way. We're gonna learn our way through this. Uh, it really, really took a toll on my like day-to-day -day life uh, mm -hmm. because I ended up spending so many hours to match the energy with the time required for that energy to be put into practice. Okay. Um, so the biggest takeaway is if you're truly, truly passionate about something, clear your schedule so you can really go full speed at it um, because you want to match your energy with the time spent into the project. Yeah, absolutely. And, you, you know, you're, you're talking about this aspect of grit mm -hmm. and this aspect about being very grateful. So, you know, how how did you develop this grit and this desire to actually be able to to pull through and overcome any uh, any of those challenges that were to be placed in front of you by being hungry yeah i would say that so, that's the, the the easiest answer is by being hungry and i'm i'm going to how do you call it, be a little bit uh, i'm i'm going to say if it's not going to be pc but it might not be how do you call it, like up to people's standards of of how it should be worded uh, but I feel okay. as international students, especially coming from less privileged backgrounds, mm -hmm. we are so advantaged compared to any privileged kid from a privileged community in a privileged country, which the U.S. happens to be. Um, yeah. Not saying that with any form of disrespect to people who happen to be lucky to be born in a fantastic family. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, by being born in a rich family, because I, I think I was born in a fantastic family, just didn't happen to mm -hmm. have like shit loads of money. That's cool. But yeah. by being hungry, you develop grit. Uh, I, junior year, I was working five part-time jobs because I need the money for other things, right? Yeah. I was doing bar trout on top of that because I knew that I need to do something and develop my skills and learn the, the real deal instead of the, the college courses because I wanted to succeed in life. I came to the U.S. because I wanted a better future. Everything that happened in my life came out of a need. 
and I feel a lot of people could see those needs and fall into some mild depression about it because, oh my God, I'm unprivileged. I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't have that. That's fair. But that's the biggest advantage you can have because by being hungry and being quote unquote street smart and finding ways to fulfill that hunger, you're going to develop that grit. You know, when you need food at the end of the day on the table, you're going to find a way to put it on the table. That's just a basic need. Um, for anyone and and the people who haven't experienced that prior to coming to college or during college are unfortunately at a disadvantage uh, because they're too uh, complacent in their own privilege and they're they're going to have to work triple quadruple the amount of time to develop that grit and to find what truly truly matters to them you know oh yeah absolutely and i think this will probably speak to a lot of the international students that oh, I bet. that are hearing us, right? Because it it is true, right? Like uh, it is very often the case that when you're an international student, you're coming to the U.S. or you know to any other country to study. You want to improve the quality of your of life for yourself, your family, those around you, and so that's what that's partly where that hunger comes from. And and so to those who might not have face that or might not have experienced that, you know, you're still able to develop it, but you know, you have to look into yourself and really think what is driving me and why am I doing any of this? Yep. And I would say it's, it comes to a conversation of like, do I believe in myself enough that I'm worthy enough of overcoming my situation? Cause the yeah. moment you say, Yes, tomorrow can be a better day and will be a better day. Not only that, but I have everything I need right now to make tomorrow a better day. That's the end of the conversation. Absolutely. You, you, you developed it's... all the greed you need to, to make something happen. The moment you believe you're worthy of that. And unfortunately, I would say you see with quite a number of people that they believe they're not worthy or entitled to a better tomorrow. And that's, I would say, one of the saddest things I, I see when there are people who have so much potential, but they just don't believe that because of their background, because of their family, their nationality, their skin color, their culture, their whatever, 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 they don't feel like they're entitled for a better future. And I would say everyone, by being a human, is entitled for a better future, and everyone has everything they need to make that happen, uh, no matter the circumstances and whatever roadblocks there will be ahead. That's just another learning opportunity to make you more grateful because you want to achieve this even more because you see the pressure, the negative pressure from the outside coming on your project. And you can say, you know, fuck off. I'm going to do it regardless. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, th I think you just phrased it incredibly. And, you know, adding on top of that, what made you still want to, to say, I'm going to go for more, right? So I'm not going to stop with Bartorat. I'm not mm -hmm. going to stop with my part-time jobs. I'm going to go for even more. I'm going to go read a book. Mm -hmm. right? Like what makes you want to say those things and not just say, okay, yeah, I've accomplished a lot. I got it on my resume or you know, I can talk about it. What makes you still want to go past and not stay at that level? <laughs> I would say I, I don't even know exactly how to phrase this answer, but I would say it, it, it's natural because 
exactly as I said that I was saying that you know complacent people won't really achieve too much because they won't mm-hmm. really ever like be able to push themselves out of their comfort zone to make something happen. When that's the case, you know, you don't wish to become like that, right? So let's say Bartra was up and running, was going pretty well. We're actually revenue positive. Like we're making some form of money to make it back into the business, which is mm-hmm. something fantastic for a startup that just launched like a day ago. Uh, and you say, <laughs> well, that's sort of the, the job is done. But mindset-wise, when you say the job is done, that there's no more progress to come in the future. So we go back to the conversation of, are you truly believing tomorrow can be better? Where if you're believing tomorrow can be better, it doesn't matter what, today could be perfect, tomorrow could be perfect plus, you know, and then the day after perfect plus, plus extra supreme diamond edition, you know, like that, that's sort of what, what keeps you day to day and day to day running and being open to opportunities and serendipity happening to you in your life, like meeting that person at that conference who was able to push me to, to write the book and give me a, a, an offer with a publishing house to make it happen. And then the opportunities I had afterwards to help other people go through the same process and write their own books. Um, and then from Bartra to whoever knows what, what next entrepreneurial project could be. That's sort of the, the lifestyle that I decided to engage myself in. Um, and it doesn't stop with the, with the short-term goal. It's a, it's a way of living. And, and I would say the moment you get into this flow, you would never say, well, that's enough. That, sure. Could be enough financially. Could be enough uh, status-wise. Could be enough uh, health-wise or family-wise or whatever. But mm-hmm. you're still always going to look for something more, uh, and that's just going to keep you keep you going. Because I feel that the moment you pause is the moment you just die. You know, the moment you don't have a next thing to look forward to. Like I, I wouldn't want to be in that place. You know, and if you're, if you're stuck sometimes, and you may seem, well, it kind of seems like it's 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 over. Well, it's not, you know, like you're, you're what, like 21, 22, 23, like, hold on a second. Like there's <laughs> tens of years ahead of you to make cool stuff, you know? Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent spot on with that. And, you know, just again, right. Like letting yourself be open to the possibility of something being better and then thinking about how you can actually make that thought mm-hmm. a reality. Right. Yeah. And And I think, you know, when we're talking about this topic, um, another question that people might have is, yeah, I'm, I'm going for it, right? I'm working, I'm doing all of these things. Uh-huh. But again, how do you balance this aspect of, yeah, I'm, I'm working, I'm improving my, my life and also saying, yeah, I, I can take some time to hang out with friends, hang out with, you know, people that I enjoy being with. It goes back to how are you feeling, I would say. If you're feeling good about it, that's all right. If you do feel like you need the break, that's perfectly fine. If you mm-hmm. do enjoy working and would want to put that extra hour, that's perfectly fine. At the end of the day, if you're satisfied with whatever you're trying to achieve, I would say that that's like, isn't that like what we're all aspiring to? Like just feeling good, like most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if that makes you happy, just just allow yourself to, to do things that, that feel good. Uh, and I would say that sort of comes in contradiction sometimes uh, with uh, with people building startups or working long hours. And they say, well, but, you know, I can't like afford to have fun because I have to go to work. Well, that's the problem. Hold on a second. If if work at all is not fun whatsoever, that that's that's a bigger problem. You know, like that should be part of feeling good. 
seeing that progress should make you feel good. And if at one point in life, you know, like, let's say like what I'm in like five years, right? I'm going to be like, what, 27, 28. And I'm going to say, well, mm -hmm. maybe I want to like, you know, maybe settle down, meet someone. I mean, hopefully meet someone by then, but you know, maybe start a family, maybe think of like the next mm -hmm. chapter. Of course, you're not going to put like 20 hours a day in working and starting a startup or doing something else. Cause you, at that point, something else might come up and you might want to focus on that too. But at the end of the day, it's your choice. And you got to make choices that feel good and make you happy. And if, what do you call, if just playing video games all day long makes you happy, that's perfectly fine. But you should understand and should be rational and mature enough to say, well, what am I sacrificing by doing this? And right. am I happy with the ending of it, not with the activity itself? You know, because if I'm, if I'm oh, saying yeah. I'm going to be happy in a year from now by being a millionaire, well, you can't play video games all day unless you're going professional, which you could be a millionaire in one year by being professional. Sure. Let's not exclude that as an sure. opportunity. But <laughs> if, if your feeling of being happy and being feeling good comes in a year from now by being a millionaire, everything that builds up to that should also feel good because it's always related to the goal of being a millionaire next year. And I'm not saying this should be about money. It could be about anything. But it should be about something that yeah. in the whole picture makes you feel good. Oh, yeah. Uh, absolutely. And I, and I think that idea of saying, hey, yeah, like I want to achieve these things or I want to see this reality come to fruition, allowing yourself to feel that is going to, as you were saying, allow yourself to, to have those building blocks and, and the opportunities to also, to also come around and to present themselves. Right? Absolutely. So, uh, along with this, you know, we, we've talked about barter out, we talked about that grit that, that you got. And so may, maybe talk a little bit more about this, this book that you wrote and the motivation behind it and maybe some of the challenges that you face while writing that. Sure. So I would say, as I mentioned earlier, the book was serendipitously happening in my life. It was not mm -hmm. something that was planned. It was actually supposed to going to be a, a, a summer where I worked primarily on Bar Trout, but ended up working on Bar Trout and the book because at the beginning of the summer, I went to that conference, met that guy, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it happened. I was like, you know, let, let, let's make it happen. Let, let's see where it goes and let's just go full speed at it. And the, the process was, was a lot of uh, research, was a lot of conversations with people, was a lot of uh, uh, interviews with, I would say, some more and some less famous people from the space. I knew right. it was going to be about entrepreneurship. I wanted to connect with people in the startup studio world, in the incubator world, in the acceleration world, uh, from North America to Europe to Asia Pacific and Australia and Oceania. Um, mm. Pretty much everywhere but... Uh, Africa and Latin America primarily because I didn't have any contacts there. Uh, oh, right. And uh, I, I already had so many leads in other parts of the world that I just pulled that thread until I, I finished it, right? Um, and it was a lot of really interesting interviews with, with some people that you might be, oh, okay, oh, I'm, I'm unsure exactly how to prepare for this interview. I mean, they're already making millions of dollars. They started multiple businesses. They're helping now other entrepreneurs are million dollar businesses, but it just build the muscle of being okay and comfortable talking with people, getting their stories, listening to their stories, uh, and incorporating those insights into something that could be useful to someone else reading that. Uh, and I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying it's the best it could have been. Um, and actually, I'm 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 having plan of of publishing a second edition where I do make 
excuse me, some edits and adjust some things uh, mm. and, and, and fine tune some things that I don't feel were fine tuned enough for, for my, uh, right. my pleasure. Um, on the challenge aspect, it was a lot of work. Hours and hours and hours and hours, maybe like in the, in the 300s, 400s, hours maybe plus or minus 500 i just I, I can't even quantify it was a lot of hours spent doing that a lot of late nights in the library writing after i finished courses after i worked my jobs after i did my bar trout and my homework and mm-hmm. this was sort of the the midnight to 3 a.m type of writing before waking up at seven to go to work and classes and stuff and stuff and stuff and uh, i'm happy it was over at some point right i feel like <laughs> oh after a little bit over a year of writing and researching and uh, uh, interviewing people, I was happy to say, well, I'm done for the moment with it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I actually just fell asleep on, on my laptop the night I pressed the send button um, to the editing <laughs> for the final edition. And um, overall, like it opened, like that book opened so many opportunities, connected me with so many people. I was able to land an internship in venture capital primarily because of some of the connections I made in that book and the credibility I gained mm-hmm. by talking with those people. And the next year I, I came at the next gen of the conference. I was working uh, full-time over that summer at a venture capital firm in your city. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was actually on an investor panel at that conference because there's entrepreneurs who are pitching for, for cash. Right. right. Um, and uh, I was part of the judges. And that was a year after I was there with my own startup. Who, who would have even seen that next year I'll be sitting in the other chair uh, with investors, professional investors, some guys from the uh, NBA and NFL who turned to be investors. Mm-hmm. And I don't even like remember all, all the names of people that were in the room that day. Also, because I don't really follow NBA and NFL, but I was talking with friends the day after. And I was like, oh, I just grabbed the, you know, pizza with this guy. And like, are, are you for real? Like, yeah, we just like, we finished the judging and then we went grab pizza and they were like, what? How on earth do you meet those people? Well, you meet those people by being open to meeting those people. Absolutely. Uh, you know, that, that's sort of the, the end of the day. And that book opened so many things that just sort of built on top of each other. And that, going back to your question about how you keep on going, mm-hmm. when your next project opens itself up to the next project, you'd be an idiot to say no to it, you know? Yeah. So once you're in, you sort of allow yourself to be in. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and I think that that's a wonderful story. And I think it really speaks to one of the the threads that I've been seeing with our conversation mm-hmm. so far is this aspect of serendipity, this aspect of being open to those opportunities happening. And you know, it's really funny. This podcast itself, right? The way it happened was because one day I was on LinkedIn. I saw that Charfus and Sedant were talking about, you know, maybe helping students, stuff like that. Eventually I ended up on their mm-hmm. live stream and we just stayed in contact. And one day they were like, Hey, you, you know what? We would like you to be the host of a podcast. Yep. And just by working with them, this ended up happening. Right. And so I think, that that would be a takeaway for for those students or you know people in general listening to us just be open to those opportunities and let yourself go ahead and and pull through have that grit 
in order to be able to achieve Absolutely. those things. And so building a little bit on, on top of, of this experience, right? So we've talked about the book, Barter Out, some of your other jobs. Uh, so can you maybe tell us about your, your internships and how that experience uh, also helped mold a little bit of um, your outlook of For sure. things? Um, I would say, I mean, right after my freshman year, I was able to intern back home uh, in Bucharest, Romania at, uh, at mm -hmm. Deloitte. Uh, and it was there in their consulting practice on strategy and operations. I was an intern there. Uh, and it was just a fantastic experience because I was able to be uh, exposed to a lot of projects, primarily in the utilities and healthcare space and energy spaces. Uh, I think it was like eight or nine projects by the end of the summer that I part took on and a lot of data analysis with them, a lot of like advanced Excel modeling um, and, and some recommendations and PowerPoint presentations that go along with it. Um, and, and that allowed me to, to be very technical with, with my data and be very technical in, in Excel with it. And I would say that sort of played out really nicely when we started Bartrout. And when I talked about, you know, doing a market survey, I knew what I was talking about. I knew how to do the customer discovery. I knew how to aggregate the data and what questions to ask and how to ask those questions and how to get relevant pieces of information to make a decision because I did that for a summer before that. And I would say that that was, that was huge. Um, and uh, the second summer, as I said, I spent working on Bar Trout and writing the book. So it wasn't uh, an internship per se. Uh, and then the, the junior summer I spent at the VC firm at FF in New York City, which was just incredible because it was a boutique firm investing primarily in frontier technologies, AI, mm -hmm. machine learning, um, fintech, insurtech, drones, uh, and other applications of quantum computing and so on and so forth. So I was up to date with what was going on in the industry in a place that was exciting. And you had to be keeping up to date because every day would receive decks from startups uh, to be reviewed for investment. And because it was a smaller firm, I was able to be part of the investment process pretty hands-on. Uh, I was in all the partner meetings every Monday. I listened to how the partners thought about if we should invest or not. Uh, I was part of the due diligence calls with the founders. I was on the phone with them, asking them, grilling them uh, on, on their business. And, you know, like that, that's just crazy to think that like, a, you know, without having the experience, you can be put into that. But again, if you're open to it, people will, will jump on and allow you to do those things. And uh, mm -hmm. that exposed me to like three, 400 startups over the course of a summer uh, across like six, seven industries. Uh, where I took a deep dive into understanding what was going on and how to help the people we invested in already grow even faster and how to co-invest. And I did a lot of data analysis on that. I built a database for them, improved some internal processes, made things smoother, saved people time, um, did a little bit of coding. Uh, but the core of it was understanding how business works and how industries are developing, which I think was the most, the, the best part of it. Right. Yeah. Spot on. And, you know, having this experience along with the research that you did for the book and so on and so forth. I, I'm curious, you know, how, how does this maybe change what you were looking to doing after mm -hmm. college or did it have any impact on that? I wouldn't say it had an impact on it, but I would say it sort of proved along the way that this is the right thing and that business excites me and that you know, I can nerd out about processes and operations 
uh, and the accounting and profit flows and losses statements uh, and et cetera, et cetera, without sort of feeling that this is a job because I enjoy understanding the concept of value and understanding how right. can you do, how can you build something, create this like intangible thing called value and then sell it and how that adds to the global economy. Like at the end of the day, this is still fascinating to me because you're creating cash out of nowhere, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and all those businesses are employing people, allowing families to be fed, allowing new technologies to happen, allowing the world to progress. And how can you, you know, not be excited about it? So uh, the startup, the venture capital, the consulting, all of it were different facets of building and creating value. Mm. Uh, and just over the years made me certain that this is what I want to do. Um, I would say that I'm still open to opportunities in, in different parts of this like value chain, if you want to call right. it that way. Uh, I, I see potential in working in the investment side, although I think that right now I might be a little bit less experienced to have seen enough mm. to, to make some investment decisions. I see it right. coming from the entrepreneurial side of, of starting a startup, but again, as international students, it's a little bit more complicated. Mm-hmm. You want a job right after graduation. It's a little bit harder to jump into entrepreneurship. And I can also see it from the consulting side of it, where um, you can work with many organizations, some of them more mature, and see how you can solve business problems for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I think that's a, that's another good takeaway for those people who might be listening to us, that aspect of, yeah, either an internship can help you better know that that is something that you might not want to do, or it can also help you know that that is something that you want to do and that is somewhere or a direction towards you you want to, to head. Absolutely. And yeah, yeah. And, and, and so I want to also ask you about this aspect of design thinking and this aspect of um, you know, consulting, um, entrepreneurship as well, because I know you, you were working with the iStone on, on this mm-hmm. topic. And, and that is something that, that we've talked about um, on our other conversations before. So maybe tell the yeah. audience a little bit about it. Sure. So, um, I mean, I'm going to paraphrase this with the, what do you call it, the umbrella of as long as you're learning things that could be useful to you in your practice, in your business, into way of thinking and developing those things, you're going to be an advantage compared to everyone else who's not learning those things. Mm-hmm. With that being said, I did take a role at iZone because it was something that aligned with my career interests at that point and still to today and allowed me to be hands-on practical with what I'm learning and also teaching others what I'm learning too, which I think for me was always a big thing. I love teaching. I love being a TA. I love holding classes. I love being a co-lecturer in, in, in the book course. Uh, I, I do consulting on my own too. I, I do some educational workshops too with, with schools from all over the world, uh, primarily on, on design thinking and systems thinking and uh, the value creation process. And I just really like that. And it all fit in perfectly with what iZone role was about. So I interviewed for it, got the role, and I spent two years there, uh, fantastic two years there. And um, the, the design thinking in itself is just one tool out of the many tools that one can learn to change the way they're thinking about problems. And design thinking, mm-hmm. 
you're changing the way you think about developing a product, developing a service, uh, bringing something out to the market. Uh, but I would say equally as important other, right? I mean, when you're talking about like Scrum development for, for people who are doing coding or systems thinking for people who are doing more like social science related work, which I also think is fantastically important to know, uh, is just a tool at the end of the day. But what I think people should remember out of this is not the tool in itself, but rather the thought process of arriving to a tool that you'll find useful and then finding a way to become ingrained with that tool to learn it. Because at the end of the day at iZone, I was learning about it, going through courses about it, teaching about it, consulting, using it. And of course, over the years, you quote unquote become an expert or you mm -hmm. form some level of expertise in it. Uh, and as long as you're able to find those experiences for yourself, that's how you're gonna progress uh, intellectually, I would say pretty, pretty fast. Oh yeah. Uh, absolutely and and i think that's uh, a a way of lo looking at the, those skills right mm -hmm. of saying hey, hey you know what there's this thing that i think might be useful is there a way in which i could as as you were saying put myself into this position where i'm just doing it and engaging with it a lot and you know for computer science student that might mean going ahead and try and engage with some product uh, as they're developing it. For a biology or medicine student, that might be engaging with the university's medical center and just just being there and absorbing all of that that knowledge, right? So, yeah. being open to to show to showing yourself and being open to that opportunity of like, oh, maybe there's a way of like learning about this and, as you were saying, progress a lot further. Yeah. I would say that if you were to think yourself in an interview and the interviewer sees something on a resume, it's like, how did you learn this? And you can, you can share a story and then the interviewer says, okay, what else? And you don't have any answer, that's in a bad position to be. So find ways to add what else to your life resume, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like if someone asks me about design thinking, I can tell them what design thinking is, how it does, how it applies, and then say, okay, how did you learn all of this? Well, I did learn about by being... Uh, uh, how do you call it? a student and, and learning and being at different classes and different workshops. Okay, what else? Well, I, after learning that, I started teaching and hold workshops about it. Okay, what else? Well, I started doing consulting with it. Okay, what else? Well, I actually ran bar trout using the principles that I learned during it. Okay, what else? And it just goes forward and forward because I was able mm -hmm. to surround myself with it. And again, it's not the tool that's important. It's the way you approach the learning of the tool that's uh, what's going to matter long term because you're actually going to develop some level of expertise in it. Oh yeah, a hundred percent on that. And you know, now that we've talked about all of the, the those different ideas, uh -huh. I'm also curious curious to know what do you think? Um, just just being here in the U.S., you know, how did that impact you? Because we we talked about that aspect of okay, maybe I would go to the U.K. Uh, and you ended up uh -huh. deciding to come over here to the U.S. You know, looking back, how do you think all of these experiences impacted you? It was you? the best decision I ever made, like period. It's like Americans will never understand the level of privilege that being an American comes with. From mm -hmm. anyone else around the world, being in the U.S. is the greatest change and one of the biggest blessings they received in their whole life. Like this is truly a land of opportunity for each and every one with all the 
barriers for some types of populations and genders and different types of like socioeconomic statuses and races and cultures and languages and sexual orientations, sure. But with those things still being in place, comparing this with almost any other country in the world compared to Romania or other countries in Eastern Europe or Sub-Saharan Africa or East Asia or some Central to Latin America, it's like heaven. It's like a hundred X better. And when you're allowed to do things, when you have that freedom and opportunity, if you're truly, truly determined and passionate to take advantage of it, you're going to succeed. And now looking backwards, like I, I, I don't have words to describe how beneficial this was for my development. I wouldn't have been able to develop like this in any other country of the world. Um, and with all the drawbacks that came with it, I was able to push forward and make it happen because I had the opportunity to do so because things worked because the educational system is good because when you go to renew your license, it happens in 10 minutes, not like 20 days, you know, because when you want to start a business, you can do this in like a week rather than like 12 months, you know, because Mm -hmm. you just have a system in place that supports you less or more sure, but no matter what, it supports you a little bit, you know, that's much more, than all the places where it doesn't support it. So hands down, one of the best decisions that I've ever made. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think this is something for, for our listeners, our international student listeners to, to also think yeah. about, right? It's not just about the classes. It's not just about, you know, here engaging, but it's also about all of those different opportunities that are going to be presented to you just yeah. by being here. Right, that serendipity of engaging with different people, engaging with friends, you're just going to have a lot of opportunities that you can engage with and can help you Absolutely. grow a lot. Yeah, and now, now Vlad, um, I'm also curious, uh, you, you were engaged with the campus, mm-hmm. you know, the university campus uh, by, by the student government and a lot of different things. So can you maybe speak to to that experience that you had sure i would say i touched the campus in a lot of different shapes and forms and Mm -hmm. and tangents uh i did get involved in clubs i didn't get involved in entrepreneurship which got me got me linked to the izone and the ain center which got me into the people there and then the simon business school and for my different majors and different jobs at warner and izone and starbucks and the admissions office and the Simon and the TA positions and the research. And I would say I, I touched the, the university in, in, in so many different aspects of it. And what that allowed me was to meet people and understand oh, yeah. how the organization works and uh, get people to, to know me, know my name, know what I'm passionate about and allow them to also guide a little bit of that conversation and say, Vlad, I think this would be a great fit for you. Vlad, I think this would be nice for you. Lot I have something for you because the moment you build that connection with the with an institution, you don't build it with the building. You know, you build it with yeah. the people who are in the building uh, and who are running different departments and different parts of those departments and different offices. Uh, and, and the moment you do that, and there, there's nothing bad that can come out of engaging. You know, you can't over engage. You know, so you can't overdose on <laughs> engagement. So with, with that being said, the more the better. Uh, there definitely has to be some form of balance in terms of how useful some things are to what you're trying to do. I mean, at some point you might say, well, this is not really for me. I definitely did that with a couple of my things that I did on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
it, it was never a bad experience to, to, to learn more about this and connect with people uh, and just be able to, to provide some value to people, to an institution that provides so much value back to you. Right. I I wouldn't call it giving it back necessary because I mean, some of them were paid jobs. So I was definitely getting paid cash (laughs) for them, but I was still nonetheless going above and beyond to, to make those things the best that they could, could be. Oh yeah. Uh, Absolutely. And I think that that speaks to, to that aspect, you know, if you have a listener and you know, they're thinking about, how how can I even get involved with the campus or how can I even engage with my community? Well, there's many different ways of, of doing that. And, you know, you can find that way that really speaks to you. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, you mentioned this aspect of, well, sometimes I scraped some things off because I it did no longer align yeah. with me or with my objectives. So h- how did you go around doing that and identifying those things that, you know, you felt uh, where, where interpreted in obviously it's just a conversation you have to have with yourself like at the end of the day we, we go back to the idea, are you happy are you are you comfortable where mm-hmm. you are do you do you like what what's happening in your life right now and uh if the answer is no or not really change something and it may, may make it slightly mm-hmm. make it slightly better because you're you're never forced to do something you know um very rarely you're going like you need to be part of this organization you need to have this no I mean, you say people, oh, you need to, to have this job. No, you need to have a job, right? Yeah. You know, I, I need the money. I need to I need this job. No, you need a job because you need the money. Folks find something that might be better. You know, oh, mm-hmm. I, I need like things for my resume. Sure, you don't need that thing for your resume. You can have other stuff for your resume. No, no, but I need this thing because I want to do this industry. Well, you realize that this industry relates to this club right now. It's like, oh, oh actually, yeah. <laughs> not really. Well, <laughs> you know, like find what's cool what speaks to you but not necessarily from the beginning like don't don't think that like you're going to know first day that this is uh, this is going to look like experiment mm-hmm. see what's yeah. up go find find the path through it and uh then just uh reassess you know i, I think of it like you know as a as an investment portfolio you know, you, mm-hmm. you buy some stocks because they seem promising. And at the end of the year, you have to think, okay, did they perform well? Did they not perform well? And am I exiting those options and entering others? Um, am I rebalancing my portfolio? Well, you, your life is a portfolio too. It's, it's just your time yeah. that's being invested, right? So <laughs> from time to time, you have to have a moment when you say, I'm going to sit down and, and see if what I'm doing is what I was supposed to be doing or what I thought I was going to do six months, a year ago. I mean, and that's why it's important to have a goal, right? Because if you have a goal and have a mm-hmm. plan, then you can go back a year later and say, did I accomplish the goal? Did I follow the plan? If the answer is no, let's, yeah. let's rethink what are we doing, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that goes along with this aspect of, as you were saying at the beginning, having that conversation with yourself and also being honest with yourself about those things that you might want to do or you know, those things that you might no longer want yeah. to be doing, right? Because I feel like sometimes... Also, this might be something that students sometimes feel, but also sometimes international students, right? It's like, oh, well, sometimes they might be pressured by family or by their own situation to go into this path or go into that path. And, you know, saying at the end of the day, you're not being forced to do anything. You can decide to go and go into a specific path that you, that you take Absolutely. on by yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, and now now I'm curious, Vlad. What is 
exciting for you now? What What are you looking forward to? Well, getting a job. <laughs> I would say that that's definitely one of the things I'm now recruiting for full time for after after my masters. Uh, mm-hmm. But also my master's in itself, it's very exciting, I would say. I mean, it, it's something that I wanted to to learn more about, develop more of an understanding of accounting and finance, mm. become a better professional uh, in, in that right. space. Um, and just um, overall seeing how that will turn out into my first uh, sort of full-time post-graduation role, uh, which, I mean, it is exciting, right? I mean, yeah. right now I feel like I'm living quite of an adult life because it's graduate school, it's a nicer apartment. Uh, you're mm-hmm. not living on campus, you cook for yourself, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it still doesn't feel like fully adult because you're not working full-time, you're going, still going to school. So right. what's exciting is this transition to, to the adult life and, and all the drawbacks, but also the exciting things that are coming with it. Yeah, yeah. Then that's great, Vlad. And I'm sure you're going to have a great time there of finding a job and finding something that really speaks to Absolutely. you. Absolutely. You know, just, absolutely. Just with all the experience. By, by putting this um, good energy out there, something's going to come. You know, like you might not want, you might not know what, what job, what perfect job is going to come to you. It's going to come. Absolutely. As long as you're putting the work and putting the energy and know it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's also a very, very good thing for, for people to, to realize and to, to think about. This aspect of if you believe that something good can come out of, the situation and that you can make something good happen it's gonna happen yeah, absolutely and you're gonna find a way to make it happen and uh vlad like now now that we've sort of uh, gone a little bit through a bunch of different stages mm-hmm. of of your development and you know your, your time here in the u.s i'm curious like what do you have um in terms of in, in your mind uh for those international students who might just be starting or, or those Romanians who, who might just be starting or looking into coming to the U.S.? You know, what, what are some words that you might have uh, for them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say just forgetting the concept of fear, mm. you know, mm-hmm. just overall forgetting the concept of fear and how that affects parts of your life where you might feel unprepared. You might not feel like you're a fit. You might not feel like this is going to work out and just going with it, no matter what. Uh, and ideally that it will be something that's, that, that sparks a passion that sparks a desire to, to put in the hard work for it, but, uh, but never letting anyone or yourself, and I would say that's even more important, not letting yourself uh, stop you from achieving things that uh, you might think, eh, I'm unsure if that's going to work out because it will work out. You know, if you're yeah. truly putting constant amount of effort and belief and energy into it, whatever you, you get your mind to believe, it will happen to you. And uh, with that being said, constant learning and developing an expertise in something, which ideally that expertise is in something that strikes a passion to you, it's utmost critical of both in college and after college, because people are going to want to take you for a role or a partnership or a job or a business, because you know something they don't or other people don't. Um, And unless you develop that both practically and theoretically, you're not going to matter in the grand scheme of the, of the business world. And that's sort of like harsh to say, you know, Uh, but uh, unless you have 
some form of value add, uh, it's very hard to differentiate yourself. So find ways to develop that value add in a place that really speaks to you and then just go full speed ahead from there. Yeah, I, I think that's a very, very solid advice for those international students, those people starting, you know, they don't have, you don't have to be international students, yeah. right? This, this aspect of, you know, what, where is your value? Where is your value add as you're speaking? And, you know, what, what are you bringing to the table? And, you know, thinking about those things and also thinking about that passion is really going to help you navigate the uncertainty that you might be facing, Absolutely. right? Because, you know, there's going to be many things that, that happened that you were not expecting, like this whole pandemic situation that we were Absolutely. in, right? But at the same time, you know, if, if you're facing that situation, that is also an opportunity, right? Because if now you're spending a lot more time indoors and now uh, people are a lot more used to this aspect of having a conversation over something like Zoom, well, yep. there you go. Like that might be an opportunity. And finding those opportunities in, in the challenges, I think that is another thing for th those people just starting up or, or just deciding that tomorrow is going to be that good Absolutely. day. That is something to also Absolutely. take At the end of the day, it's searching for opportunities, not for excuses. Oh, oh yeah. I, 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 th I think that's, that's a very, that's, very That's pretty thing. much the conclusion of today's, <laughs> today's conversation. <laughs> Search for opportunities, not for excuses, because... Excuses are not going to take you anywhere. Oh, yeah. And those opportunities and that grit that you yeah. develop, that's your activity that you develop by talking and engaging with people, that is certainly going to Absolutely. take you far because you believe in it and you're going to make Absolutely. it happen. All right. Thank you very much, Vlad. It was a pleasure Thank having you. Thank you so much here. for having me. I really appreciate it. It was a, it was a blast to, to have this chat with you. Looking forward to, to hear it, uh, to hear it uh, when it's produced. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, for for those interested in uh, reaching out to you, you know, perhaps with some career mm -hmm. opportunities, uh, how can people find you? Um, you know, wh where uh, where you? I'm, I'm I'm everywhere, but I'm in Austin, Texas. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm on LinkedIn uh, to Vlad Kazaku. I am on my website at vladkazaku.com. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, publicly wise, that that's pretty much it. The the LinkedIn and then my website. Perfect. Yeah, we'll, we'll be sure to, to link those as well. For sure. I really appreciate that. Perfect. All right. Thank you very right. much, Vlad. Bye-bye. And with that, we conclude the first episode of the International Perspective Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Munoz, and I hope you had a wonderful time. Feel free to share this episode on social media. Find us on social media at Career Turn Cork, and I wish you all the very best in your journey.